in a disease crisis, uh, healing crisis, then um, here's a bunch of recipes just to enjoy and that nourish your body and give you all these wonderful vitamins, minerals, enzymes, antioxidants, fiber, uh, good bacteria, lots of water, and, um, and thousands of phytonutrients, phytochemicals that are anti-cancer, anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, all in plant food. Welcome to the Miracle Plant Podcast, the show that inspires, promotes, and gives you a daily dose of inspiration from the people who have used cannabis to change their lives in extraordinary ways. Here's your host, Justin Benton. Welcome back to the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant with so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. Well, today, folks, we have such a special podcast for you. I have been waiting and tracking down Chris for months on end, and we've just finally been able to get our schedules to align. And I'm so excited to bring Chris work from for you. He's a he's a best-selling author. He's got Crispy Cancer as his brand. He's got his new cookbook out, uh, Beat Cancer Kitchen. He's got an incredible story. He believes in the power of whole plant, raw vegetables and fruits. And uh, he has this story that you have to hear, and you need to share this story with anybody who's facing that that cancer diagnosis. Chris, welcome to the Miracle Plant Podcast. How are you doing today? How are you doing well? Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, I just want to get right into it because I know your story, and it's so powerful, and it's so incredible, inspiring, and is helping heal people around the world. Please, if you don't mind, share us your story of, of what happened and how you got into the crispy cancer movement. Sure. I was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer when I was 26 years old. And, um, at that time, you know, I didn't know anything about cancer and I was having abdominal pain and I was rushed into surgery and told if we don't get this out of you before it spreads and kills you, uh, well, we've got to get this out of you before it spreads and kills you. And so I, um, I had surgery. They took out a third of my large intestine. When I woke up, they said I needed nine to 12 months of chemotherapy. And uh, when I got home from the hospital, as I sobered up, I just prayed about it. And I said, God, if there's another way besides chemotherapy, please show me because I didn't know what to do. And, and, uh, but I, I had a in, increasing internal resistance to doing chemotherapy um, because I had seen what chemotherapy drugs had done to other humans. And, um, there's a, there's a sort of a mass propaganda campaign that's gone on for a long time where chemo patients are called cancer patients. And so people think cancer makes your hair fall out and makes you sick and emaciated and your skin turn yellow. And that's not, that's chemotherapy. That's what chemotherapy does. So I didn't want to turn into that. And uh, I'm just so thankful. I was sent a book by a friend of my dad's and it was written by George Malcolmus who had healed his own colon cancer with raw food and juicing 30 years prior back in the 1970s. And, uh, I was so inspired by his story. I just knew like, this is what I have to do. I've got to change my life. I've got to stop eating processed food, fast food, and junk food. I need to overdose on nutrition and flood my body with as many life giving vital nutrients as possible in order to help it heal. And, um, one of the big revelations I had was that 
the body creates cancer and the body can heal if given the proper nutrients and care. You're not going to get nutrients from the medical industry and you're not going to get much care either. <laughs> you're going to get treatments and drugs and they're going to extract as much money as possible from you. And it doesn't matter if you live or die, but it is better for them if you live longer because the longer you live, the more treatments they can sell you. So I, uh, I took sort of a crazy uh, step and uh, said no to chemotherapy and decided I was going to live or die on my own terms. And uh, I found a naturopathic doctor who supported me. I found an integrative oncologist who supported me because my original oncologist did not and told me, I was, told me I was insane if I didn't do chemotherapy. And so, um, you know, I was on my way. I, it, you know, it took a lot of diligence and um, faith and perseverance to day by day stick to the plan to, you know, focus on the most nutritious food possible to cast my, my cares and give my fear to, to God, to forgive people who had hurt me to exercise and, you know, again, to keep reading and researching and learning and incorporating supplements and herbs and anything I could find that might be helpful, I would add to my routine. And, um, the nice thing about the natural health movement and the holistic health movement is that you, there's such, there's such little risk, you know, when you're taking pharmaceuticals, there's all kinds of risks. So all kinds of side effects from dangerously low blood pressure to clotting to nerve damage, you know, with chemotherapy drugs, it's head to toe collateral damage, brain damage, liver damage, lung damage, wrecks your digestive tract, wipes out your microbiome, causes nerve damage, you lose the feeling in your fingertips and toes, uh, causes hearing loss, messes, you know, can affect your vision. And the most probably uh, critical damage done by chemotherapy drugs is, is that most of them wipe out your immune system. So you're neutrophils, your white blood cells, your red blood cells are just decimated. And your body can't fight cancer without your white blood cells. And so what happens to most patients uh, in many cases is that chemotherapy will shrink tumors and, um, and, and produce some type of short-term benefit, you know, uh, and that's what they celebrate are these short-term little benefits of tumor shrinkage. Uh, or um, temporary remission, but in the process, they've destroyed the patient's immune system. And so uh, more times than not, the cancer cells, the cancer stem cells become more aggressive during treatment and, uh, and they go dormant during treatment, but then after treatment, they become more aggressive and they start spreading around your body like they were doing before, except now you have no immune cells to identify and eliminate them. And so that's why it's very common to see cancer metastasize within a few months of, uh, of finishing chemotherapy treatment, you know, three months, six months, a year, you know, there's a follow-up scan and the patient has spots on their liver, lungs, brain, you know, and so, uh, it's a, it's a horrifically corrupt industry that does not care about people. And, uh, there's a lot of good people working in that industry, but they're just trapped in a corrupt system. That's the problem. And I, I talk about this in great detail in my first book, which is called Chris beat cancer. And, uh, I just want to encourage, you know, your listeners to read that book because there's so much about the medical industry and pharmaceutical industry and cancer industry that you do not know that you need to know. And, uh, 
that way, if, you know, God forbid you are confronted with some type of life-threatening illness or cancer, you've armed yourself with knowledge so you can navigate those, uh, that industry with, uh, wisdom. Well, that's incredible. And thank you for sharing that. I mean, I could go 17 different directions with all of that goodness that you talked about. And obviously with your book, Crispy Cancer, um, you know, what are, what are some of the basics, I guess, just for people to wrap their head around um, while they're waiting and ordering their book? Is there a place that they should go and get your book directly? No, Amazon's the easiest place, but uh, most bookstores carry it. And uh, so... The, the the most important first principles is understanding that cancer is not bad luck or bad genes. That cancer is a systemic metabolic disease that is more common, much, much more common in countries that have industrialized and that are eating high amounts of animal food, processed food, and junk food. And so you can look at epidemiological studies around the world and you'll see the rates of cancer are very different in different countries. And if you drill down and look at the life's diet and lifestyle habits in different countries, you'll see that uh, the countries that where people eat more plant food and less animal food and less processed food, they have much lower rates of many different types of cancer. And um, some cancers are caused by, you know, viruses and bacteria and things like that. But generally speaking, um, Many, many cancers are related directly to our diet and lifestyle. You also see in countries with lower rates of cancer that the lifestyle choices are different. The people are generally much more active. They're in motion throughout the day. They're slim and trim. Uh, they don't have high rates of obesity like we do in the U.S. Um, and with obesity, you know, comes diabetes, heart disease, um, autoimmune disease, cancer. I mean, all of those diseases are intertwined, you know, and, um, so that's a huge revelation that most people just don't understand that your, your diet and lifestyle choices have, have led you down a path of health or disease, you know, and if you wake up one day with a problem, you have to really look in the mirror and say, okay, maybe this is my fault and that's okay. It's okay if it's your fault. Um, because what that means is you're, you're actually taking responsibility for your situation, for your life and for your health. And, uh, so, <clears throat> that's what I did. I just assumed, you know, maybe this is my fault. And that empowered me to change my life because I realized if I contributed to my illness, then I maybe I can contribute to my wellness. And um, and I, I stepped out of that victim's mentality where it's like, well, I don't know why I got cancer. I guess I'm just unlucky and there's nothing I can do about it. And my only hope is chemo, which is what most patients are led to believe. So, um, anyway, yeah, you know, that, that's a major, major thing. And uh, when you understand that the food you eat is contributing to health or disease, that's the, the easiest thing to change, right? I mean, anyone can change their diet today, <laughs> like literally between now and your next meal, you can make a decision to eat differently. So, uh, exercise is incredible for cancer prevention and healing in so many ways. It increases your circulation. It in increases detoxification through sweating and lymphatic movement. It, um, exercise stimulates, um, the production of, uh, molecules in your body that actually improve your mood. So it's an incredible antidepressant. It's a good way to, to get yourself out of a funk is to exercise. 
and out of, out of a sort of discouraged and depressed state. Um, exercise switches on genes that are, that are anti-cancer genes and it switches off cancer promoting genes. Like this is just exercise, like something that anyone can do. It costs you nothing, right? There, sure, you could pay someone to help you exercise if you want, but anyone can go for a walk every day, right? Every, pretty much every person, unless you're completely bedridden, right? So it doesn't matter what type. That's the great thing. Any type of exercise, moderate to vigorous, is wonderful. So from walking, brisk, brisk walking all the way up to, you know, Zumba, jazzercise, rock climbing, jujitsu, you know, like it's all good. Um, but most of us have not prioritized it. Like, and that's really where you block it off on your calendar every day. And you're like, this is when I exercise period. Like every day, six days a week is really a good target. And you know, four or five days a week is still great too. Um, but, uh, but you know, exercise also contributes to, to weight loss. And so another, another benefit. Um, and then our lifestyle choices. So I'll back up just a hair up to 90% of cancers are caused by three factors, diet, lifestyle, and environmental factors. So the, the high meat diet, the high fat diet, the Western diet, it's high in sugar, salt, and oils animal protein, processed food and junk food, artificial flavors, colors, preservatives, that diet, which is known as the Western diet, is the cancer-promoting diet. A uh, diet that's rich in whole plant food, fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, whole grains, herbs and spices, that is a diet that is protective against cancer, heart disease, diabetes, and many other chronic diseases. Um, so that's the diet part, the ex the uh, lifestyle part. I already mentioned exercise, but then smoking and drinking, you know, that's lifestyle. So smoking is the number one cause of cancer. Alcohol is also a major cause of cancer. And I know that's a bummer. There aren't a whole lot of smokers left. You know, smoking has really, really come down a lot. And the rates of lung cancer and lung cancer death have come down a lot in the last 20 years because so many people last 30 years, actually, because so many people have stopped smoking. So that's great. Um, but alcohol consumption has, has increased, unfortunately, and uh, especially during the pandemic. And uh, alcohol is a cause of cancer. And there's no safe level of alcohol that you can consume that doesn't increase your risk. Although, you know, if you have a couple drinks a month, I said, you're fine. Like, it's that to me is not enough to worry about. But drinking daily, uh, or drinking multiple drinks per week, uh, you, you are increasing your risk of several types of cancer from alcohol. And then the, the environmental part, th this, is the, this is one that's pretty obvious to most people. I mean, there's just a lot of environmental pollution out there. You know, there's giant companies and factories and, you know, production facilities that are spewing chemicals into the air and dumping into our lakes, rivers, and streams, polluting our oceans, and then selling us lots of goods that are sprayed with you know, uh, flame retardants, you know, and all kinds of plastics and chemicals and things. So we're exposed to, um, uh, an unprecedented, unprecedented level of industrial pollutants like humans have never been in any time in history, really. So, uh, so that's a factor that, you know, you can, you could limit your exposure for sure, 
right? You can filter your drinking water. You can get air filters for your home. You can replace your body care products and makeup with non-toxic brands that are conscientious about the, the ingredients they use. You can replace your cleaning products, laundry products with a clean non-toxic brand. So there's some very simple steps you can take to clean up your home and, and reduce your toxic load. Right? It'll never be zero, you know, unless you're living in the middle of nowhere. And a lot of people think oh, I'm going to move out into the middle of nowhere. Well, then they're surrounded by farmland and, and all this, uh, in extremely toxic industrial, uh, fertilizer, fungicide, pesticide that's being sprayed all around them, you know? So like maybe moving into the mountains where they're not, you know, growing a bunch of, uh, commercial agriculture, uh, could, uh, could be an improvement in terms of your environment. But, but with, without trying to be too scary, the good news is, is if you're eating a diet that's rich in fruits and vegetables, you're getting all these protective nutrients that protect you from environmental toxic damage. So antioxidants, which are rich in plant food and very low in animal food help protect your body from oxidative damage. And so, uh, and there's so many wonderful nutrients in, in plant food, like sulforaphane, which is in broccoli, cauliflower, kale, and cabbage, the cruciferous family, uh, that in increases liver detoxification. So it just helps your body detoxify better. So, you know, I've, I've I know I've talked about a lot of complicated stuff, but all that complicated stuff leads to very simple conclusions, right? There's a lot of complexity in science, nutritional science, and you can go down deep down in, into the, you know, cellular biology and molecular rabbit hole. But, uh, when you step back and look at the big picture, the macro it's fruits and vegetables, exercise, uh, you know, a, a low toxic environment. Th those are the most important things. And then reducing your stress because stress Stress is its own sort of unique category. Some people would put it in the lifestyle category, but stress also suppresses your body's ability to heal. Um, because when you're in a state of constant stress, you have elevated cortisol, which is a stress hormone and adrenaline. And those hormones suppress your immune function and, and, and increase inflammation. So most cancer patients have a lot of chronic stress in their life and, and things they need to resolve. Uh, in order to get well. And a big one is forgiveness. Forgiveness is huge. Um, you know, if you're holding on to anger and bitterness and resentment towards people in your past, those are very toxic emotions and they, they do poison you. They're, they're toxic, not just to your, your mind, right? They're toxic to your body and forgiveness releases you from the pain of the past. And it's so powerful and it costs nothing, you know, cost it's, it costs you absolutely nothing to forgive. It costs almost nothing to eat fruits and vegetables versus eating, going through the drive through and eating fast food and junk food. It doesn't cost anything to exercise. Faith doesn't cost anything. Uh, spending time with your loved ones and people you love, you know, you care about doesn't cost you anything. Typically, if they're close, you should, hopefully you have loved ones in the same city. But all these things like increase your joy, improve your immune function, like they're so good for you. And if you look at the average cancer patient and the way they're living their life, which doctors don't do, right? They don't do any investigation into like, what is this person eating? How are they living? What's their home life, life like? What are their relationships like? What's their, what are their finances like? What's their job? Where do they work? You know, 
if you just do any any investigation into a cancer patient's life, you see it's very easy to see multiple uh, health destroying factors. And the great news is that all of these things, all of these health destroying factors can be identified and eliminated if a person is just willing to read and research a little bit and, and learn about health, right? And learn about healing. And so I, I, that's what I did. I just went from book to book to book to book, trying to understand and get validation on what I instinctively thought was a good thing to do, right? That's <laughs> raw food diet, juicing, exercise, stress reduction. Those are the major themes I kept seeing over and over again in every book I read back in 2004 and five and, and beyond. So um, now with the internet, there's a lot of great things about the internet. Like we can do this interview and I can, you know, talk to people who've never heard of me or, um, and share my story. Uh, but there's also a lot of misinformation and it's a lot, there's a lot of information to sort through and try to understand. And it can be very difficult and confusing and overwhelming. And, and a lot of people, they don't even know where to start. And then they start and then it's too much and they just give up. Right. Cause there's a million websites and articles and videos and it's, yeah. So, and that's, that's the reason I wrote my first book was just to give a very simple, straightforward path for someone to understand what's causing cancer, how you can change your life, the things you can do to support your body's ability to heal. And you don't have to say no to conventional treatment. I mean, at the end of the day, everything, every change that you make to your life in a, in the holistic health space will only help you. These are do no harm therapies. So like, yeah, you can still do chemo and eat more fruits and vegetables, you know, or eat all fruits and vegetables. You can still exercise. Usually you can still forgive. So we have a lot of people in our community that are, you know, doing conventional treatment and in the process of changing their life. And all of these things I've talked about, they will increase your, uh, they will increase the quality of your life first and foremost. And that's measurable immediately. Uh, but secondly, they increase your odds of survival. So, you know, there's no reason not to do it, especially if, uh, you know, if you don't have cancer and you'd like to prevent it, because I can tell you, um, prevention is easier. And, um, one out of every two men and one out of every three women are predicted to get cancer in their lifetime. So if you're not serious about cancer prevention, you should be, I, I want to encourage you to get serious <laughs> because it, it's not fun. Getting a cancer diagnosis stinks. It's it ruins your life temporarily. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Uh, so that's what the first book's about. I do have a new book that's a that's a cookbook. And that was really just written because my community was just basically demanded that I write. <laughs> Give us recipes uh, besides the ones that are in my first book. And so, Beat Cancer Kitchen is is a book that came out last year. And it's full of uh, whole food, plant-based recipes. They're super delicious, easy to make. It's a full color cookbook. So you can see, you know, what the recipe looks like and how amazing they look. And the photography is gorgeous. And, you know, I, I, I hate cookbooks that don't have photos. <laughs> I just can't, I can't do it. <laughs> so we did full color photographs in that. But, um, but yeah, and there's a section in there that's all about the anti-cancer diet. Like, here's what to eat if you have active cancer, like focus on eating this way. And then there's another section that's like, look, if you're just, you just want to stay healthy and you're not in a disease crisis, 
uh, healing crisis, then um, here's a bunch of recipes just to enjoy and that nourish your body and give you all these wonderful vitamins, minerals, enzymes, antioxidants, fiber, uh, good bacteria, lots of water, and, um, and thousands of phytonutrients, phytochemicals that are anti-cancer, anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, all in plant food. Love it. I love it. Well, what's the big goal? I mean, obviously this information is in line with everything we talk about on the podcast here at the Miracle Plant. And of course we want I want to talk about that gorgeous salad, but what is your big goal? What where are we headed? Where I mean, obviously we want to support your message. I, I am we are lockstep with you about plant-based diets and exercise and water and everything that you're saying. We're on a mission to reach a billion people by 2025. I'm in Russell Brunson's world. You've been in Russell Brunson's world, digital marketing, online, figuring out a way. I know you have great research on Instagram. I see it all the time. We deal with getting shut down all the time, obviously, with what we're talking about with uh, cannabis and, and hemp. Um, you know, what's the what's the end game here? Are we running for president? What are we doing here, Chris? <laughs> Definitely not doing that. <laughs> uh, the end. I don't have an end game. Uh, I have a, I have a mission and as a survivor and a patient advocate, my mission is just to, to reach as many people as possible, right? To continue to talk about how incredible fruits and vegetables are, how incredible plant food is the fact that, uh, most disease is not bad luck or bad genes. It's related to our choices and that revelation empowers people to change their choices, right? To make different choices to help themselves. And, uh, so like there are thousands of people diagnosed with cancer every single day, every day, right? So every day there are thousands of people that need hope and encouragement and resources and inspiration. So for me, I just, it's like, I just, I just know I have to just keep doing this every day, sharing my story, encouraging people. And I've interviewed dozens and dozens of people who've healed all types and stages of cancer. And th those interviews can be found on chrisbeatcancer.com on my podcast, on my YouTube channel. I've interviewed dozens and dozens of holistic and integrative doctors who, you know, scientists and researchers who all, you know, sh just share incredible vital information that you can use to help yourself. And so I just love what I do. I'm so blessed to be alive. I'm blessed to be able to do it. And, um, you know, I don't feel like there will ever be a point when I'm finished <laughs> doing what I'm doing, you know, doesn't mean I will never stop, but it's like, you know, yeah, the, the there, there's a lot of people who need help, right. And new people need help every day. And practically, if there's anybody listening that has cancer or you have a loved one or you're a caregiver, I have a free guide. It's called 20 Questions for Your Oncologist. You can go to chrisbeatcancer.com. There's a link to that on every page of my website, so it's very easy to find. And I want to encourage you to download it and go through the, this guide because it will, it will give you the questions and explain why you need to ask these questions so that you can get straight answers from your doctor. Because most doctors, they, t they dance around the truth. They tell patients very little, uh, and most of what they communicate is not useful to a patient. It's like, 
okay, you're going to lose your hair. Here are the drugs we're going to give you. You know, here's how many treatments you're going to get. Here's when you need to come back. You know, they, they don't tell patients anything useful. And so if, if you don't ask the right questions, you won't get the right answers and you won't be able to make an informed decision. And like, this is critical, especially when you're putting your life in someone else's hands. And I can tell you, there's a lot of great doctors out there. There's also a lot of terrible doctors, absolutely abysmal people in the medical world. They're just terrible people. And how do you know the difference walking in the door? You don't. Like, you won't figure it out until sometimes it's too late. And um, so, again, if you, if you read my first book, if you download that free 20 questions guide, you will arm yourself with a lot of information that you can use at some point. Hopefully you don't have to use it, but if you need it, it'll be there for you uh, to navigate, you know, any kind of medical treatment. Absolutely. Well, I would be remiss not to talk about a little bit about Dr. William Courtney's research with my son. That's how I, uh, and my mom's a holistic healer and an integrative nutritionist. And she was helping us with juicing raw plants and vegetables and probiotics uh, to help heal my son's severe uh, autism diagnosis. And we came across Dr. William Courtney with using raw cannabis juice uh, to help shrink tumors and, and help cure people with late stage cancer. And that was kind of a light bulb for us when we saw how cannabidiol from hemp was helping children with epilepsy and seizures, raw cannabis with you know Dr. William Courtney, we combined it, we grew our own. And uh, fortunately to say my son's no longer on the spectrum. And that was the beginning of our mission um, what I know you said, we've talked a little bit before you had some, uh, exposure to Dr. William Courtney's, uh, research. Do you have any questions or do you want us to talk about raw CBDA and raw hemp and, and, and educate a little bit? I'd love to learn more about it. I've watched a few interviews with him and, uh, and I know he's got a different philosophy than a lot of the, uh, hemp, uh, and cannabis promoters, especially with the raw juice and, and consuming it raw and, uh, and, you know, the big challenge still is that it, this is an illegal plant in many states, right? And so it's not something that I've actively promoted to my audience just because of the difficulty and the illegality of it, right? So, uh, yeah, please, please, please enlighten me on uh, on raw cannabis and cannabis juice. I, I wonder... It doesn't seem that juicy. Is it hard to get juice out of cannabis? <laughs> well, there's a couple of things here. And so basically, here's the good news. So in 2018, they passed a farm bill, which made hemp legal again. George Washington grew hemp. Thomas Jefferson grew hemp. And that's where CBDA comes from. CBDA comes from the hemp plant. That's what it makes. The A stands for acidic. So it's called cannabidiol acid. And so um, when you do cold press it raw and fresh, there is actually juice but really what you're trying to extract are those cannabinoids like CBDA, and there's a bunch. There's actually a 100 of them in there. So the good news is hemp is legal in all 50 states. There's one or two states that are a little weird, and they don't really quite understand it. But, you know, federally it is legal, and that was right around the same time when we started juicing it for my son. So the access to it, I can mail it to you. I did mail it to you. I mailed it to Puerto Rico um, in, you know, uh, most countries that is, is legal, but certainly legal in the U.S., and so, hemp is the male plant, correct? So hemp, again, so hemp is just a variety of cannabis. And technically, we in our country call hemp uh, anything that has less than 
THC. Got it. Got it. Got it. Basically, yeah, you can't smoke it and get high. And so it's it's an arbitrary number that was made up by some Canadians like a couple decades ago. And that's the number we picked. Uh, Anyway, so hemp basically won't get you high. It's got a lot of CBDA in it, a lot of all of those wonderful enzymes and flavonoids and and, uh, all these different, uh, you know, fatty acids, amino acids. It's a beautiful plant. And when you, just like you're talking about juicing it, um, that's what we did. We grew up for my son and actually juiced it, but we needed to make more than that because you could only juice it when it's fresh. That's when you cold press it and you can get like a honey substance oil out of it. And so that's what helped. I mean, again, so I was just looking for an answer for my son, but when I had a cancer uh, patient come in, she was just like you. And she was like, and she had been through chemo before. She was in her 70s. And she said, I'd rather die than go through that again. I've done the research. I see that hemp cannabis oil shrinks tumors. She was German, from German. And you know how some Germans, they are doing their research and they're moving ahead. And she said, I'm using your oil and, and, and you know, come hell or high water. And so she did. After a few months of using our oil, she was playing tennis in her mid-70s. Uh, she was cancer-free. And that was the thing that light bulbed me. I was like, holy cow. Because I had seen it help with fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis, you know, neuropathy, obviously autism. But when I saw someone, like, when I saw that with my own eyes, I was like, okay. That's when the mission began. It's like, okay, I'm just going to educate just like you're doing. I'm, just, I'm going to tell people about this. And I'm going to tr- have them have access to it. We have some, you know, free websites too and stuff. But again, so raw CBDA, which is from hemp, totally legal, um, won't get you high. It has all of these anti-tumor uh, properties in it that if you listen to the podcast with Dr. William Courtney, we did previously, he goes into that molecular cellular thing. And I, I'm sure my mom, who's had some mic issues, and we'll clean that up in the back end is chomping at the bit to say something. So, Mom, you want to, to weigh in a little bit on, on how CBDA can help with cancer and, and raw juicing and all that good stuff? Sure. First, I wanted to thank you, Chris. I I read your book. I went online and signed up for all your modules. I looked at your blog. I've talked to several people who have been inspired by your blog and said, oh, I know him. He's the guy that wrote the blog. And so, for instance, I did heal my husband from cancer in the late 70s, but I didn't get the information out just like you did. So to me, you did a fantastic job to have the skills and the energy to get the information out because it doesn't matter how much I know if nobody else knows it. And I must say, I read through your book and I did. I was like, oh, yep, yep, yep. So everything like, yeah, that's, he's got it. Uh, so that was very exciting. And so I do think the addition of the raw CBDA helps. And it, it's a homeostasis or balance. Let me, let me, inter- let me, let me ask you a question. Sure. So when you say raw CBDA, you know, there's a million CBD products on the market, right? right? Seriously. And they're everywhere. There's full spectrum oil. There's CB, you know, like full spectrum hemp oil. There's CBD oils. Like, is that, are you differentiating in some way when you say CBDA? Is that like, can you explain that? Right. It's a vital differentiation. Uh, one thing, you know, anytime you see CBD by itself, it means it's been heated and processed often up to 1200 degrees and okay. and they take out all kinds of molecules. And so the terms broad spectrum and full spectrum aren't defined kind of like natural and food. So you don't know what you're getting. And okay. uh, so ours is organic starting out with, I don't do anything that's not organic. Um, it's raw. In other words, heated less than 105 degrees. And then we don't, we call it whole plant because literally we extract by cold processing the whole plant. 
And then we put it back into raw cold pressed hemp seed oil, again, organic. So you have just the best of the plant. Uh, CBD is what the plant makes. When you heat it, you turn it into CBD. And so anytime I see CBD, it is not the same thing. It's just like if you ate juice, you cooked all your vegetables and ate only cooked vegetables. You know the raw is better. And so it's been very hard to teach people that the raw organic whole plant is far superior. The research is very clear. It's been very clear and published in PubMed for six to seven or eight or more years that it's the CBDA. And so, and the reason it's so much better is the first thing is homeostasis balances. And you remember how we talked about the cytokine storm so much during COVID? Well, if your immune system is balanced, which it is by the CBDA, you do not get overreaction. And it also can uh, start T-cell development if you have an underreaction. So it's unbelievable what it does for the immune system. It's also the strongest antioxidant out there. I know we have lots of it in plants and herbs and everything because it literally balances the immune system. And again, too, that is inflammation versus anti-inflammatories. Then it also balances the endocrine system, which is antioxidants, so oxidation versus antioxidant. So you cannot find a more powerful antioxidant or anti-inflammatory or immune balancer than that. Then the final one, which sometimes relates to cancer, sometimes not, it literally repairs nerves and regenerates nerves. And so that's what I saw with my grandson. He went from an IQ too low to measure to top of his class, succeeding in everything now because his brain regenerated. And so just like you with cancer, you have this passion to get the word out. We have the same passion for health uh, to get the, the hemp CBDA out. And it is a confusing field and people are still confused when you know, what is marijuana, what is hemp, and then totally confused or unaware that the raw CBDA that's organic and cold pressed it, by research is 10 to 100 up to 1,000 times more powerful than the heated CBD. I call it heated and treated CBD because you never know quite what you're getting. And so my mission is to get that word out. Yeah. Uh, I work with many of the same types of issues. Besides cancer, I work with all kinds of health issues. I do consultations. And it's just, um, besides the research, the miracles we see every day. And so I think it goes perfectly with what you had to say. And so I did. I went through everything I could find that you'd written and done and published. And again, too, very impressed. And so if I do a little quick research on CBDA or wanted to send something, I think it's critical for people with cancer and serious disease to be aware of it. CBD actually also kills cancer cells. And it, you know, it's, it's very good research on it for cancer. So I think it's something to be aware of, at least. And um, so, again, thank you again. Do you want to, does somebody want to talk about the difference between the CBD oil, right? CBDA, as you're saying, like cold-pressed oil uh, and like Rick Simpson oil, which is the, you know, cannabis oil. Well, that just which I am very familiar with that process, how to make that. Oh, you're muted. Is Justin? We're over muting here. Uh, Rick, Rick Simpson oil is, um, you know, obviously it was Rick Simpson. He used it to help uh, cure himself of cancer back in the seventies. Uh, it's it's decarboxylated uh, marijuana, and it's very 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 strong, very 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 high in THC, very 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 intoxicating. He didn't know about CBD back then. We didn't. In fact, we tried to grow plants that had less CBD because the CBD makes you less high. So the people that were using cannabis and marijuana were trying to get Cheech and Chong level high. And so that's all he had. And, yes, that beautiful plant, uh, you know, has got all those cannabinoids in it. The research is showing that the CBDA is, is more powerful than the THC, and it doesn't have the intoxicating effects. Because, look, some people do not want to be high. I'm one of them. 
And there are people that would, you know, don't want to spend their, if they are in a, in a bad, bad way, they don't want to spend their last, you know, days stoned out of their mind and it scares them or things like that. So he didn't know about it. And so he made it the best he could with, 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 with high THC marijuana. He used propane and ethanol to extract it. It wasn't clean, it, but it did do the job for him. That just shows how powerful this plant is. What you can do. Again, the first research I ever came across was Dr. William Corning with juicing cannabis. You can grow it yourself, juice it. You can freeze it just like anything else. Um, you know, fresh off the vine is the absolute, the best thing that you can do. But you don't, I mean, we make a 6,400 milligram. We have compassionate discounts for cancer and all types of things. And nobody will ever walk away without a product from us because of money. But you'll get all of the plant's holistic power without the high and that high CBDA effect. And so... Rick Simpson oil, um, I wouldn't, I mean, unless you really like getting high during your cancer treatment, then go for it. But if you don't want to get stoned out of your mind, I would, I would recommend trying something higher in CBDA that doesn't have those psychoactive effects. Yeah, that's good to know. And I'd like to see more of that research too, because um, uh, obviously the Rick Simpson oil has, has gained a lot of traction. People have been talking about it for years and uh, I've certainly researched it a bit. And, um, and I'm with you. There, there are a lot of cancer patients who try it and they, they have a hard time with it because they don't like being high mm-hmm. and other, other patients use it and they're okay with it. You know, it's, they're fine or whatever. So I've definitely heard both types of feedback. Um, but there's an interesting thing that we noticed, uh, just from tracking people in our community, which was that folks that were, that were using the Rick Simpson oil, some of them would, would you know, have a pretty dramatic tumor shrinkage or remission uh, in a short time, but then they would have a recurrence that did not respond. And so my hypothesis was that this highly concentrated form of cannabis, the Rick Simpson oil, might be acting in a similar fashion to a, to a um, pharmaceutical that in, in that there are certain pharmaceuticals that will, um, and I'm not even talking about chemotherapy drugs. There's just a lot of random drugs out there that will block a certain pathway of cancer development. They'll interfere, interfere with cancer cell metabolism and uh, prevent cancer cells from using glucose or maybe fat or protein. Uh, and so for a time, uh, they will slow the cancer down or shrink it, but then the cancer adapts and starts growing again. And then that drug doesn't work. Right. And so, yeah, I had this sort of running untested hypothesis just based on my personal observations with uh, a number of patients that, that did the cannabis, the Rick Simpson cannabis oil is that uh, it helped them in the beginning. And then I I'm guessing that their cancer uh, adapted, mutated, and, uh, and then it wasn't, then it didn't help anymore. And then the disease progressed. I don't know if you've heard any stories like that or observed that or have anything to say about that. I haven't, uh, again, we don't play in that space. Uh, the Rick Simpson oil. Um, yeah. I know what it is exactly. I've seen it. Uh, I've never used it. It's a black tar, um, you know, uh, concentration. Uh, again, um, you know, I, I would love to see more evidence on it there. If, when you go to pubmed.gov, you can, you can just type it in. There's a lot of great research, even on THC. My mom, don't get her started. She hates <laughs> THC. We love all the cannabis, but uh, we want them raw. 
the plant makes what's called THCA. Yeah. And, and the plant also makes what's called CBDA. So we want the plant raw. And when it's raw, it's, 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 it's holistic. It's powerful. It's up to Dr. Raphael Mishulam who just passed away. He's the original uh, cancer researcher from 1963. He's 92 years old. He passed away a few weeks ago. Uh, he's the one that's done all the research. So that would be the one I would, I would recommend. And I'll send you a bunch of stuff. And I'll send you a bunch of samples or anybody that wants to try it for free in your community. Because when I saw the power of this plant with cancer, that's when I went all in. So, and I, I want to be respectful of your time, brother. I, I really do appreciate you coming in. I know you got a hard stop. It's been an absolute uh, pleasure. Uh, if there's anything we can do to support you, I am here. Um, Thank I'll, you. Yeah, team. look, I'm look, I'm looking forward to trying your the, your yeah. products for sure. And uh, and again, for folks, if you know, if you're looking for resources to help you change your life and heal, chrisbeatcancer.com. It's a free site. Again, I've interviewed dozens and dozens of people who've healed all types and stages of cancer with a holistic approach. We all kind of did the same things. And if you watch those interviews, if you read my book or not, or if you watch, you know, other interviews I've done, you'll see the common threads, right? And that's, you know, that's what you need to focus on. Like, what are people doing to survive? And when you watch interview after interview after interview, you will see that every long-term survivor basically did the same things, which are those things I, I touched on in this interview. So I just want to encourage your audience, like healing is possible. Cancer does not have to be a death sentence. If you're willing to change your life, you can dramatically change your future. You can, you can affect your future with your choices today. So that's my, that's my big pitch. Well, it's not a pitch. You're saving the world, brother. And I'm so excited Thank you. that you're here. And I'm here to support you any way that I can. And I'd love to have you back on and be a guest or anything I can do. I appreciate it. And I give you a phone call or something and some big summit. And I'm like, Chris, beat cancer. Chris works going to be here. Please, please send me some studies too. Cause I love reading science and research and stuff. And, and again, I, I haven't, uh, and I, one thing that my audience, you know, uh, I mean, I really started seeing a lot of chatter about this probably 10 years ago. It was when like the Rick, Rick Simpson oil and all this stuff. And, um, and I've said for years, when people in my community ask me about it, I'm like, you know, there's just ongoing research. Like people are researching constantly and eventually I think there will be a consensus of like, what is the best form of this plant? <laughs> right? So please, you know, please send it my way. Cause I haven't, I haven't kept up with the research. I haven't looked, read anything about a CBD or THC in several years. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Well, believe it or not, it's right in line with everything you said. We need to juice the plant. We need to heat. We, I always say if you want to get high, heat the plant. You want to get healthy, eat the plant. So Perfect. Thanks Love again that. for joining us on the Miracle Plant Podcast, Chris. Best of luck to you for everything. And uh, happy healing, everybody. See you next week. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.